Fine Dining, the search for the most mediocre restaurant in America, is a podcast where comedian Michael Ornelas is traveling the country, eating at all chain restaurants in search of the perfectly average 5.0 out of 10 dining experience. The objective middle threshold of where bad becomes good. Friend of the Doughboys, Marissa Pinson and John Glover were the most recent guests as they reviewed Costco's Food Court. It's a two-part episode that covers everything from discontinued menu items to how many Costco hot dogs they could fit in their mouths. Damn, I wish I was on that episode. I'd crush that. Head over to linktree.com slash fine dining podcast, uh, F-I-N-E-D-I-N-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T, and click B's giveaway to enter a giveaway for an all-expenses-paid trip to your local Applebee's, the current frontrunner for the most mediocre restaurant in America at 5.02 out of 10, for you and up to three of your friends. And you can watch or listen to Fine Dining on your platform of choice while you're there. Enter by May 1st, and the winner will be announced on the May 8th episode. Disclaimer, $50 will be provided for transportation along with a $200 Applebee gift card. I love doing those fast read disclaimer things. Go give fine dining a listen. The search for the most mediocre restaurant in America. This is a HeadGum Podcast. What's up, shitheads? Welcome back to another episode of High and Mighty. It's me, your host, John Gabris, the number one fuckboy. The number one fuckboy! Here we are with another Banshee special. You know it's a Banshee special episode because of my shortened intro. I'm embarrassed to do it in front of Banshee cast members and crew. Yeah, you sell less and less every time. I, I, also, now you're just staring at the floor. While you're doing it. Well, it's like you, you're asking these people to do you a favor and come on your show and then you're like, well, sit here while I scream swear About words. shitheads and fuckboys. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is this podcast you brought me on? Guys, this is the episode for 404 uh, recap. With me, as always, are the fanmen or the fanchies, whatever we're calling ourselves. Sean Conroy. Hello. Ben Rogers. Hi. And joining us for this episode is Banshee director, executive producer, O.C. Madsen. O.C., thank you so much for coming on the podcast, and thank you for dressing up. Fan- us- oh, I did not dress up. This is not- well, I mean, by the way, I love your intro. Oh, and okay. I, and I love the way you use, you, you really, you know, you're, you're, you're having a kind of, a, you know, a very sexual thing with the microphone while doing it. <laughs> I, I am holding with really, two hands. You are, you are actually mouth. going really deep into that microphone. I, I like am, that. I mean, this is really cool. a phallic moment for everyone here. <laughs> O.C., thank you for taking the time to come in here and talk to us. Yeah, I haven't noticed that before. You're basically sucking yourself off. I know, when I'm holding it in my lap, two hands on it, veins popping from my arms as I squeeze it as hard as I can, and then press my mouth into it. It's a good performance. I mean, Yeah, I, I feel gross. This is a very unflattering picture of like, when you see like Mark Marin on WTF in like the studio with a headset, and he's like, looks cool. Me, it's like I'm gripping my own dick and screaming into it. <laughs> uh, oh, on that note... <laughs> oh, OC, we looked you up on IMDb, obviously, and your credits are amazing. Doesn't feel like it leads to you ending up directing not only American television, but specifically Banshee. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got involved? Or? Oh, yeah, man, it's a long story. No, it's, it's, uh, no I mean, I'm, I've come from features. I made like 10 feature films, and I did a lot of television in Europe as well. And um, 
Um, no, it doesn't. But I was, I was. You no, know, the story is like this. I was working with a an American film producer called Scott Neems, who was not at the HBO at that point. We were developing a movie, and you know, talking about this and that. And suddenly, the the, the company he worked for went bankrupt, and he ended up as an, a you know a vice president of the HBO. And at some point, he sent me a lot of stuff saying, "You want to do this? What about that? That's that." Until he sent me the, the different, and I said, no. different HBO stuff, D- different HBO Cinemax Cinemax uh-huh. stuff. And you know, I was I wasn't really you know I my my I haven't I I didn't have huge intentions of going to uh, L.A. or going to Hollywood, but at some point he sent me the two first episodes of Banshee. I mean, I and I like this, I really like this cool, uh, dark, film noirish kind of postmodern attitude to uh, it's a little bit to, of everything crime it's a little it's a, it's very it's very eclectic yeah and uh, so i was sort of fascinated with that and then you know and, and I, 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 I signed up for it and then you know i just you had, signed on to direct an episode or two and then it just two built. and then i it's just next year they call, they asked me if i want to come back and i said probably not <laughs> and then uh, you know but just you know a week be, once before they yeah okay okay let's do it again it was like you know a, a nice a nice, you know, three month in US, just hanging out. So, what was the somewhere. first episode you? It was were episode with? in first season. It was episode three and six. My first episode was the albino albino episode. So, right person. from season one, you were you were in there. Yeah, oh, and yeah. the MMA fighter is episode. And three. the MMA fighter. Those yeah. are those, those are, two, are our favorite. Those are two of our favorite episodes. Oh, right, yeah. When we pitch people to watch Banshee that have never seen it before, we say watch through episode three. Yeah, and it should give you enough setup, <laughs> and then episode three gives you enough violence that you're like, okay, I'm into this show. Because yeah. episode three is when I locked in when he's breaking the MMA fighter's fingers. fingers. Yeah. I'm like, oh god, knock yeah, it out. I remember that. That was horrible. <laughs> that is so horrible, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so many horrible in the sense horrible, of awesome. Yes, exactly. <laughs> horrible in the awesome way. But it's like this thing, you know. Sometimes when you shoot it, you just can't believe you're actually shooting. The, for instance, the guy ripping his hand apart. You know, you will in episode two of Banshee, you will experience. You know, uh, oh, you always did that, so, and we talked about it. Yeah, so it's the, not a, sa- the same hand, not another hand being split <laughs> into two. Uh, it's like this thing, and I, sometimes, sometimes, seriously, I mean, I'm, sometimes when you shoot, it's like, oh fuck, that's so horrible. That's cool. That's so. <laughs> that's so so disgusting. And in episode two, you have the hand being split. Now, episode three, episode two, I, I directed uh, episode two, and that is pretty. That's thirty crazy things are going. On there. Oh, the dog! Oh, the dog! The dog grabbing that dude's neck is yeah. pretty awesome. But also, Carrie really smashes up a dude's hand yeah. a lot too this season. It's about hands. Yeah, that was, uh, that <laughs> we was had a hidden episode, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> we have a, a hidden hand uh, motive, a hidden hand theme, and this uh, <laughs> we found <laughs> this, it <laughs> exactly. We cracked the hand code. No, Pantry. and then they ask if I want to produce it, you know, because you know, basically, and then it just became you, my family. We'll start hanging out, becoming friends. And you know, then into the fall. So fourth been season, there, I've been, been there. there you know, I had the responsibility for it with yeah. the, with Adam on a daily basis, and uh-huh. you know, with Robert. Yeah, that's good. as an executive producer. Uh, yeah, show yeah. running it, and you know, you know, doing you know the building of this because we need to build up a new wall for episode four. Now we, we very early we knew that it's going to be the last season, mm-hmm. um, so we want to do something. Else, I mean, we wanted to change the tone, the tonality. We wanted to, we wanted to change a little. 
We wanted it to be more, you know, having a little more, uh, you know, um, Twin Peaksy kind of feel, adding to this probably universe. So we needed to build it up in another way. It had to have a different texture. It, it feels like the first three seasons, it was a lot of, and this is oversimplification, obviously, yeah. but it was a lot of like, who's going to kick whose ass yeah. now? Like, this guy's mm-hmm. going to come in and kick Hood's ass, then yes. Hood's going to kick his ass and whatever. Yeah. This last season, it feels a little bit more like a mystery or thriller kind of thing of like, how do we figure out exactly what's going on with these guys? Not without yeah. dropping one moment of ass kicking. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, There's still, still plenty some of ass more coherent yeah. ass kicking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, we were talking about it earlier on in the second and third season while shooting, and we were talking about having this kind of, you know, more collected plot that sort of tied all the episodes together because mm-hmm. you have something with the banshee some of the episodes suddenly you know the quality dropped there was like some of the episodes they're like what that, that's that's weird how we, can it we, suddenly we never had that stop? feeling just so you know no it's not like but you have you can feel for the but intention as, as, what you yeah. what you intend with right, it what, right. the intention with it was like we didn't reach the the, uh, the 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 level of you know quality you wanted it's not a, it's a couple of episodes but if we have this plot that will collect everything and keeping the story together and create a more dystopian Kind of, you know, noirish feel. I mean, we were, we were that was uh, that was the plan for season four, making it more, you know, also make, making it more seductive, you know, mm-hmm. going into another world. And that helps a lot with this opening where everything changed. I mean, for me, it was like two you years know, later, two years later, yeah. nightmare. You think you wake up, but you actually fall asleep, drop into the nightmare. Well, Proctor is the mayor. And Lucas Hood <laughs> grew to you know a big beard. Crazy yeah, it is like an al- it is like an <laughs> yeah. alternate reality yes, that is it revealed is. to yes, be the right. reality. Yeah, <laughs> well, that, that was the idea. This, this twist, you know, this kind of feel. It's a reality. It's not. You know, how does that kind of feel? That was and the, the look idea. is darker too. Much darker, much darker, and the texture is darker, and the texture is more raw. We moved the show from North Carolina to Pittsburgh. Right. So you're and getting to see all the great parts of America while you're here. <laughs> Pittsburgh in February. <laughs> and I come from the north. You know, I come from Denmark. That's fucking cold. But this was cold in a way you won't... I mean, I've never been in a colder place. I've been working at Greenland. In the Arctic, and Pittsburgh Greenland. was still colder. That's warmer. In Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh in February. That was a cold. So you're saying global there. warming is a lie. In, in Pittsburgh it is. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure how they have... It's like something with a little, like, little pocket there. <laughs> Global colding. <laughs> um, for uh, for you, were you interested in the kind of genre that Banshee's in? I know so, uh, some of your other works are noirs, and but was is action or the the violence and stuff? Was that stuff that you were into prior to getting the job on Banshee, or is it something that intrigued you? It intrigued me. You know, if you, when you work in Europe, I mean, it's you don't have the system of you know the big action scenes. You don't have the system doing that. I mean you have some you have a fight here and there and you have, but but the consequently executed big action stunt scenes, you don't do them. That's too expensive. I mean I can sh- I shoot I shot several feature films on on one on a budget of one episode of Banshee. <laughs> so it's like this is uh, this is different. So, so this is a, was for me the opportunity to work with, you know, amazing stunt amazing stunt guys. Uh have a really, you know, a really professional work process having 15 stunt guys on the crew all the time and just you know staging these 
fight scenes that had to be over the top. They had to be more than everybody else Mm -hmm. does, but for at the same and more than you've done before. Oh, yeah, I never done the craziest. But even more than Banshee's done before. Like it feels like they keep (laughs) having to top each other. Yeah, for between seasons. Yeah, we try to you know go go even higher, (laughs) and still we have to do. You know, that's that's and that is the that is the one of the big production challenges of Banshee is that you do this show on a normal American television budget, cable television budget, but you have to do all this act, and this action is very, very important for the uh, for the signature action. It cannot be random, um, uh, generic action. It's got to be very, very specific. It's got every character has their own way of fighting. That has to be specific in every scene. Every... Um, Every time there is a fight, it's got to have a concept. It's got to be as specific as you can get it. That takes a long time. I mean, mm-hmm. you can shoot like maybe on a day, you can shoot one minute of fight. That's it, you know. And wow. so the next day you have to pick up and you do like 10 minutes of minutes dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, no, but, you know, I think the really code for Beyonce is the specificness of it. I think that's why it's, it's, I think that's why it's intriguing for people to watch. And I think that's why it's, it's, it's fascinates some people. It's like because it's very, very specific. And it definitely keeps it fun and it keeps you surprised all the time because you it's not just going to be some generic fight. It's going to be a fight involving... That is something sticks. special. Sticks. Yeah, it's going well, yeah. <laughs> I think because I feel like Banshee gets that... You get that from those genre action movies where you can go, remember when Van Damme fought that dude but it was yeah. raining? Or remember yeah. when Seagal fought that dude but it was in the convenience store? Yeah. With Banshee, it's like two of those in episode where it's like right. Hood fought with sticks at the camp uh Chayton fights this guy like there's and it's, Terry uh, that, has a flamethrower Carry that, ex, that was the exact That's example I was going things. for yeah. episode 4 uh, talking about this episode Carrie oh, yeah. goes to just blow up a, a drug plant and you think the flamethrower yeah you see her take two pistols she loads up a couple pistols and yeah. you're like oh she's gonna fucking do some killing and then she goes <laughs> just turns and reveals that she's carrying what I you still don't know at that point is a giant gun of some sort and it spews flames and everywhere suddenly you know yeah. Yeah. it looks great and it looks really cool and and watching it I realized uh, oh wow they haven't done flamethrower yet ex- oh. that literally is what I said I was like holy shit Banshee hasn't done a flamethrower yet and it's at that moment I realized that and then there's the flamethrower. <laughs> right. It's like we're getting down to the bottom of the checklist. And you will like, later. <laughs> and later you will see more weapons you never saw before in Banshee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm 35 years old, and that's like the most exciting thing to hear. <laughs> more guns, more weapons. Yeah, um, it looks all. I think it looks awesome that, you know, when he when she burns down the drug, you know, factory there, yeah. it looks amazing. I mean, that, I think it's beautiful. No light, just a flamethrower. It's the, beautiful. That scene is so cool for them. First of all, who knew how awesome flamethrowers looked in slow motion? Like, that looks so dope. And uh, if you didn't think Carrie was an absolute badass and had a ma- major crush on her before, the second she is torching dudes, Aryans and drugs alike, you, you, you turn a special... Also, if you didn't think she was a badass and had a total crush on her before, you have not been watching the show. <laughs> right, <exactly. laughs> great, great. great. I think, uh, yeah. We talk a lot about the tropes we use it in a positive way on banshee but the scene the moment when carrie is sprinting towards the camera in like skin tight leather and the world is burning behind her and she leaves as the explosion you're like this is the shit i this is why i watch the show that is such a great 
Uh, and you do it like the way you've seen it in other movies, but in, for Banshee, it's she just torched an entire factory and is running to her friend Job, who's got his PTSD. Who's that like traumatized? Yeah. Right. yeah. Oh, that's, I love that story. That's a beautiful story, you know. Oh I'm, yeah, the Job stuff is yeah, the Job great. Stuff, yeah. it's, it's well, it was such there. a cool moment where she is getting ready to go. So, so Job has opened her gun locker yeah. without her Found. knowledge. Yeah, and hey, safe, a completely so- hidden safe right. because yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> what's going on like yeah like he was just snooping around to see if there were magazines around or whatever but he found the gun safe but now he has that moment of like don't leave me here in the house by myself I know and, and that it was, was so intense you know it was upsetting yeah. I was genuinely upset for Joe because for a second he was just like I'm coming with you like just like like full hardcore, bravado, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, you saw how scared he was. You know? But Job, is, Job used to be fearless. I mean, that's yeah. interesting. Taking this guy and saying, "Okay, actually, they managed uh, breaking him down," you know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now he has to be built up again, and, right? And he's doing that with a beautiful friendship with Carrie. I know mm-hmm. that. I love that those two are paired off because, like, it's a dynamic you don't like. You know, yeah. Job and Sugar's dynamic, and you know, Job and Hood's dynamic, but yeah, yeah. you don't really know how Job and Carrie. Right, because but, you know that Job was friends with Hood before. Mm-hmm he knew Carrie like they knew each other for a long time Mm -hmm. so for him to have this friendship with Carrie seems like a new kind of different thing and that Mm -hmm. she cares that much about it and basically it's the first you know if you know if you noticed but it's the first real connection between two people in in the fourth season because you, as you saw in the, in the, you know, in the two first episodes, everybody's isolated. Everybody right. living, mourning their own life. You know, everybody's feeling bad. They're all, everybody's more or less as traumatized from the previous seasons, from the, from the life they led. So this is actually the first real connection. Hood well, is unless it's a flashback. Hermit. In flashbacks, you see the connection between uh, Lucas Hood and, uh, and Rebecca, and you mm-hmm. see the flashback. You know, but here is actually the first real human connection that I've made. And, Oh, yeah. Job and uh, and um, I guess I'm not looking for the human connection. I keep just looking for flame flamethrowers. Flame <laughs> yeah, I forgot the flame. <laughs> it there. becomes very you know the thing you know doing these the scene with the with the flamethrower. It's a obviously a big thing because it's dangerous you know to do to shoot and it takes a lot of you know a special build flamethrower and all. I was going to say where they, they had to build that themselves. Yeah, we have to build like something like giving more of a more of a flame and you know yeah. all this. No, you don't. You can't buy it. You don't eBay. <laughs> you could try maybe, but you would be. You would be <laughs> Jail for terror, terroristic attempt. You know. I'm sure Homeland Security will come. You've been Googling. Anyway, Please send three flamethrowers to Pittsburgh. It's freezing here. And the, and so so it becomes very all the planning it takes to get that scene right. It becomes very part of the flamethrower episode. So it's all about the flamethrower. How do we do that with the flamethrower? Even though there was so much other stuff. I know. Let's on. talk about Man. other stuff that happens because we were talking. Episode four really cracks open uh, all the stuff that's been happening that you were sort of building up in th- one through three. Yeah. And one of the things, th- and we talk about this all the time on this show, is one of the things we love about Banshee is like Job's in a black site. Mm-hmm. Or will we be able to rescue him? Any other show, that's the entire season's plot. Mm-hmm. This show sets up that there is a serial killer killing people, and you're like, well, that's we're going to find out who that is in episode eight. Yeah. Like the next episode you are, is immediately yeah. like, yes, now we know who it is. Because we were, oh, wonder- it's the guy with the horns on his head. <laughs> of yeah. course, it's like of course a weird. It is. That is the first thing we haven't really seen on Banshee is the occult either, which is uh, no, exactly. That was no. That, that's the first time there's a cult in it, yeah? right? Exactly. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. of course, it's great. there's a cult. Yeah, we've got and military personnel, Amish, skinheads, Native, Native Americans, Native Americans. Native Americans. the physical alterations. First time in Banshee. That's first time. I've oh, never yeah. had that before. That, yeah, the that horns. was the modifications mm-hmm. on his head. Mm-hmm. He was creeping me out so much at the dinner. The scene. dinner scene was Just really great. The, the tone, yeah. The, yeah. The, the tone between the, the couple wife, was it's yeah. so weird, it's so scary. It's Fred Weller who's playing Declan yeah. here. He's an amazing, he's an amazing, amazing actor. And Jen Landon who's playing a. Uh, 
playing his wife. It's, it's so it's so they're, they're both so intense, you know, and then and, and they have a great chemistry. And together. you have no creepy. idea who yeah, these two characters creepy. are when they're talking to each and other. Great shots yeah. of him uh, preparing the 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 garnet the the onions and the meat and getting everything ready and food just porn. showing yeah, yeah. Little yeah food, food porn. porn and and well, this guy's good with very, the knife. Yeah. It seemed very Hannibal to me. Yeah, it was right. very Hannibal. Very Hannibal. <laughs> very Hannibal. <laughs> Such a cool. Well, and then when we and it's revealed the whole time we're going. Are we gonna? Banshee can't give us episode eight reveal this killer and he's out of nowhere. So we were saying maybe it's someone on the show we already know. We we did try the theory mm-hmm. that Deva was the serial killer. <laughs> what's your, <laughs> what's your favorite? Who, who who's your prime suspect? Uh, our prime suspect. We one episode we hypothesized that it was Deva, Deva. but we were assuming <laughs> that uh, maybe Burton was working on behalf of Proctor uh-huh. and that someone killed. Rebecca and hit it under the others as serial ah, killers. Okay. That was my guess. But now this is even better. And I still, we still don't Satanists. know. Satanists. Yeah. Sa- it's a Satan. <laughs> no, it's a Satan's basement. I mean, that's a, we, we, this, uh, this man cave he has, what we show in four, and he has, where he has women, random women, hang, he's hanging <laughs> from. With a remote control the, door the, that opens. Yeah. That's, that's it's in with the world of Banshee. Yes. And, uh, and one of my favorite so, movies, Cobra, which I feel oh, like yeah. kind of uh, <laughs> same, uh, fits way. in with the genres that influence Banshee. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's like a lot of knife stuff with yeah. the, uh, that whole sequence. It's, a Satan, it's Satan's basement. Yeah, it's so. It's Satan's man cave. That's what the idea <laughs> when we build it. Like, let's, let's build Satan's man cave. <laughs> <laughs> and also the way the way the the ceremony is shot, it's almost like old Super Eight footage or something like that. It is, like the it way is shot in Super Eight. Oh, it's shot in Super Eight. Oh, oh okay. that's all. it. Reminds yeah. me of Rosemary's Baby a little bit when you see yeah. her perspective yeah. from being yeah. underneath, yeah. like the people over her and oh, stuff. I love that. Yeah. I love those scenes. I mean, I think they're really great, and I really think it's a good idea. That was uh, uh, the director of Episode Four, Everardo Gout. He uh, sort of he was very fascinated with the idea of doing a Super Eight, and so. We well, the thing, I, the thing I like it's about really it, good. I mean, you combine these two formats; yeah. it creates a special seduction, seductive feel on that scene. Well, it's also like As, we've always we've talked about how when people get their asses kicked on the show, then when we see a POV shot from them, it's kind mm-hmm. of out of focus, and we're not sure what's going sure. on. And this is a different thing where people are on drugs and and drugged yeah, out. Yeah, so and you stuff. sort of you so use a different the style to get into people's yeah, head. You know, yeah. I mean, it's like that's a base, that's a that's a prime thing in Banshee. While from from a a film craft point of view, it's like to get into people's head. People's head. I mean, you need all those suggestive feelings. You need mm-hmm. to be so subjective every, in, in every scene as well, you know. And this scene is like, also, that's something like this uh, this uh, ritual scene where they cut out the heart of the woman. It's also like, I mean, the way to make it a little more subtle it's also like making it a little scratchy into yeah it, it makes it, it not could, as graphic but yeah, it, it, still, it gives you the tonally it hits can't you be even too harder. much in your face as well right but right. And it's even and it's even you know creating it more a mysterious feel but it's right. always getting into these people's head that's it and that's difficult that's a difficult part so you feel something while they're while, kicking, while they're kicking gas while they're you know being having all the fights it's, 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 you need that it reminds me too of like if you like whenever you see like Alistair Crowley footage or any anything of like all the cold seances because it's all shot from back in the seventies. Yeah, it's and of if, the era. Of yeah, the yeah, era, yeah, so yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. like yeah, exactly. exactly. Manson family feels exactly. like that. You could exactly. be playing mamas and the papas over that footage or something Let's like seven. that. Let's <laughs> seven. They were big Alistair Crowley fans. Uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, in the in the, uh, in the bookshelves in the basement, Satan's basement. There, there's a lot of uh, Alistair Crowley books. Yeah, I saw I saw you some saw titles one? I recognized from some of my creepier friends recommending them <laughs> from Anthony Atamanek friend of the podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. former guest 
Um, another thing uh, we see in episode four for the first time that we knew was coming yes. due to deadline. Yes, and I can't believe uh, that they held off for that long. <laughs> I can't believe it's which one? Four, which uh, one? Eliza Dushku. Oh, uh, Eliza. Uh, yeah. uh, like any other show would have her on. You know, this is a big get. Let's get her in as soon as possible. <laughs> but it worked so effectively where she came in here. And let's talk about Eliza Dushku's character. We so we see her a little bit in this episode, and we get a couple of things from her. She's she's very smart. She seems like she's good at her job. She's a sociopathic liar, capable mm-hmm. of, <laughs> and she smokes crack. Yeah, and is it crack or is it meth? Oh, I don't know. It looked like I thought crack. it was crack. It's crack. I, I, I thought it was crack. And, <laughs> That's and what we needed you here for. Doing crack. I love that scene so much when. She shoos those crackheads out of the house and just, just puts down off. a newspaper. <laughs> crackheads, who, by the way, keep That's up on no current problem. events yeah. so that they have the newspaper there that she can put down on the couch. Put down, and that was such a great banshee moment of of adding so much to that character. Of course, she smokes crack, right. and of course, she's traumatized as well, like, uh-huh. like the rest of the guys. Right. You know, that's yeah. like, of course, she's had some. Everybody's suffering. You know, you can't bring a person into banshee that is not suffering. So Tropper, she, Tropper said something great in our interview with him that he was like, everything in Banshee used to be something else. Yeah. Or every person, was, every building, is, every sure. ideology. And those two crackheads used to be a sketch team. <laughs> those two, cra- used those two crackheads used to host a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite moments, uh, a very funny moment in, in within that scene is when she goes, all right, get out of here. And the woman is still... Gets I, down and puts her hands yeah. behind her head. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was like a nice little moment yeah. of a joke right. in the middle of this very intense that scene. was pretty- put the pipe down yeah. uh, Brock also has a great line with her earlier when he says uh, oh yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I also knew the for the story. record yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Brock I knew was lying yeah because yeah. she did such a much better job of questioning Hood right. and then said he didn't do it so it's like Brock has to take the status back as sheriff you know Brock has a, a Brock has great moments in this episode too yeah. Matt yeah. Servito who yeah. we love Brock has got s- when he draws on Proctor, that's a big moment. I think. I think when he draw when he pulls his gun out on Proctor and wow, just before when you want to get to Lucas, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You like yeah. that's a moment where Proctor, where uh, uh, Brock is going. All right, this is Proctor. We can't let this shit go unchecked here. You can't boss me around that much. No, this is a crazy situation because there's so much conflict in that situation. I mean, he's throwing a gun on on on, on Proctor. You know, like Lucas Hood isn't there. This could be a really really. We could develop into really violent situation. Right, and Proctor and knows then, who had knocked yeah, up his and, knees. Yeah, and you have uh, you have Proctor's uh, right hand, Burton's Anna, or I, no, standing uh, right there, uh, Anna, the the Anna Cruz, right, Cruz. Right, Cruz. Yeah. So, so the only thing to resolve this problem, this situation, is having Eliza Dushku come in and reintroduce herself. I mean, that's sort of that was a really real, fun moment of just yeah. like taking I the, feel like things are a little yeah, tense. Yeah, here. Taking yeah. center stage, and she's like, yeah. "What a fun group!" Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, not, let's not, chill. She's a superior cop coming right. to the small town. No uh, cops, not out of control. City out of control. She's coming to, to fix it. I like but those she's moments. Not in, very fixed herself. <laughs> no, clearly not. I like those moments in Banshee. You see it with Eliza Dushku in this moment. You see it with the cartel guy who meets mm-hmm. with Proctor. Where there are those moments, and any other show would get so full of themselves, but I feel like Banshee likes to have characters come in and go. This is still just fucking a small town in Pennsylvania. Yes. Chill out, guys. Like <laughs> I love that moment when he's when the cartel guy's like, "Yeah, Proctor, you're a pretty scary guy, but this is fucking Pennsylvania." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, "I'm a Mexican <laughs> cartel, but we know that means nothing for you're Hood still and just Joe. a mosquito." <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> I love when you guys pull the rug out on yourselves of like when that it's like you like, build Proctor up, make him dangerous, <laughs> build him as a, as a villain, and then say you're nothing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, <laughs> self, <laughs> so, dramatic that, suicide. Yeah, there, there are some characters that are proxies for the audience. Like mm. I think Brock is often the kind of yeah, audience like, yeah, straight yeah. man going like, mm-hmm. "Hood, you just." You, this is a little crazy. This is an unreasonable mm-hmm. way for a person to act. I know, yeah. Nobody's <laughs> bleeding. If he has all these beautiful, iconic... Uh, yeah, nobody's bleeding. Nobody's yeah. bleeding, you know, like a... And how does it feel like a hemorrhoid in first episode? I mean, Matt Savito's really good at playing the... under Underplay these, you know, fun moments. Yeah. We like him, we like him a lot for that. Uh, what else I, happens I also in really like the... Um, because we've seen this scene a million times. And this goes back to the trope thing. We've seen the scene a million times of the the cop or FBI agent questioning yeah. the guy, mm-hmm. but this was a different take on it, which mm-hmm. was, this is what happened to my husband, mm-hmm. and then Hood going, okay, you've been doing this a long time. Oh, I So love- you know <laughs> that I'm not going to believe that. So either you think I'm an idiot, or you want me to feel like I'm in control, which is definitely not, like it was just so, there were so many levels to it. It was know? like, and also her immediately bailing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> her going, I know you're right. It's almost as if the Banshee writer's room pitched a bunch of ideas for how that uh, thing would go down, and someone walked in yeah, and just like, circled them all and was like, we'll get them all in there. <laughs> also, it's a version of the old thing. How do you, I mean, when two people meet up that might later will, you know, have, you know, be together, you might, you will, you want to create this hostile situation. And yeah. how do you do that in a new way? I mean, right. That's uh, how episode four ends when she's like, uh, get in the yeah. car. And you know, they're going to hook up because it's <laughs> Banshee. Um, it's Hood, Banshee. Hood doesn't meet beautiful women and not fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Hood, I mean, he doesn't the, want to, but he this does. This is the longest Hood is gone yeah. without fucking someone who just landed in Banshee. And, and he's very respectful, actually. <laughs> I mean, yes. she's the first woman that he's very respectful to. Yeah. I mean, really, you know? So, yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, he's he is, also actually. got a bunch of other shit going through his head right, right now. Right, right. Yeah. He, he didn't. His, yeah, he, he this, met his twin. I mean, he met some somebody just like himself. Uh-huh. Yeah, and right, she is acting as Hood was the She's first mirror. season. Yeah, yeah. yeah she is. who is this? Except person? her eyes are like five times the size of his. Yeah, she has the biggest eyes I've ever <laughs> yes. seen on a human being. I, I mean, I'm a, a big fan. She's we, a beautiful woman. I mean, yes, she really is. Yeah. She's she's stunning. It comes yeah. up a lot on this show, but Hood has a great set of peepers on him too. I bring <laughs> it up way too much. How great Anthony Starr's eyes are. <laughs> They're always blue and just watery enough yeah. that you feel some. Like he always looks like a dog. He like looks at you like a puppy that you're about to leave the house. He blinks once, and you're like, "I'm sorry, Hood. I'm sorry." Uh, what else did we see in episode four? What was we saw? We talked cult. We talked like, well. The big reveal at the end that um, the uh, Not, gr- Nazi grandpa, right? He's getting out of he's getting <laughs> out of jail. Yeah, Charles, the yeah. spinoff show is right, the Nazi very, grandpa. The very end is him singing a Nazi song to his grandson <laughs> as he goes to sleep. <laughs> that. Of yeah, that's how f- I you wanna you wanna raise him in a you know, you wanna yeah. raise him to be a good Nazi. All the well, fucked up that's shit. That's what he that's the, that's a fam, it's a family thing, you know. All the fucked up shit Takes that happens in Banshee, the most unsettling thing is a guy for me is just a guy coming to visit his family. You also learn that that's his father-in-law, which right. we didn't know at that right. point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of great subtle stuff of him sitting down uh, at he sits his, in his seat, seat and, and eats, eats his, his food. food. Yeah. yeah, drinks his beer. Yeah, yeah he's just yeah. Big dogs him immediately. I tried to use my phone to find out what that song was he was singing. My phone was like, no, thank you. <laughs> Your phone was like, please don't. I, you know, I really, I really <laughs> like this. He's he's in the uh, he's 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 trying to make his case to get you know to get parole. 
or not. He's he not gave trying. it up. Yeah. And he's doing a horrible performance. And still he's gaining off. That's yeah. interesting, right? Right. And well, because we, Burton's pulling yeah. the string. Burton talks to thing. the DA. Yeah. And you know what? Well, Burton talks you know to the, the DA talks, quotes. Yeah. He, he does the neck, the he head does, tilt. He, does, he doesn't talk much. No. Yeah. <laughs> that head tilt that Matt Rouch does as Burton, I've. You know, it's the it's the precursor to taking the glasses off. Is the head yeah. tilt of like, are you sure we're gonna do this? You're and in that, trouble. I'm yeah. focused on you now. <laughs> now I'm paying attention. Yeah. It's like very, like yeah. a German Shepherd getting like stiff a, neck. You know, he's like this. Stiff, <laughs> it's like this. Uh, you know, it's like, I do it all the time because I have an old whiplash in my. Oh, I do it all the time. I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and it might make sense that Burton might have a stiff neck since he's nearly been killed like seven times yeah, on yeah. this show. Yeah. Uh, so, OC, throughout the series, uh, is, w- were there any moments that you feel like you? Uh, pitched or something that you came up with that made it in that you were particularly proud of that was like kind of your baby sure I mean I mean we constantly pitched to each other right while writing it you know I mean when you start out when you start shooting a series it's not the scripts are not finished right I mean, the, what you you start working on whatever you have whatever outline you have and you start building it up maybe the pilot has a first draft and stuff anyway so you it started so you pitch it all the time i mean this group we have with adam targum and uh, jonathan Traub and me i mean this, it's a constant it's a constant uh, right know, and, pitching, like, and what about that already oh, did that why don't we do that and then we move on to having uh, we have readings with the uh, with the with the actors and new ideas come up because actors look for another kind of coherency so you know for dialogue for what if he did that instead you know and you you sort of you sort of massage that into the script as well, trying to get it, you know, as as full as of aspiration as possible for everybody to have to have the right intentions, the right energy, all that. So yeah, it's a constant, it's a constant process. But is there is is there any one specific moment that you can remember massaging in there yourself? That or any favorite that, moment yeah, of that yours that you got to direct? I mean, I, I, one of my favorite. Number, I, I mean, I don't want to be too specific on who said what, but but I mean, one of my favorite favorite moments is in the end in episode eight. That you will see. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> say no more. Like, say no more. And there is there is like twenty minutes in episode eight, which I basically think is fucking awesome. It's like twenty minutes of I. I mean, that's I. I couldn't do it better. You know, like you know, this this is that twenty minutes where everything comes together. Storyline, <laughs> character, and that's the finale. Everything is so resolved. It's not the end, but it's like in just. But it's the last in the episode. middle of yeah, the last episode. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> that, that I, I just felt that, that is, you know, I think that's a, I think that's the best ever in Banshee. Oh wow, that's a pretty solid tease. That's a pretty good information. A lot of things happen in those twenty-five minutes oh, of, of, of awesome. episode eight. So that I would say. So, but now we can't. We right. haven't seen that yeah. yet. Not a. Cri- but I can say that it's just to create expectations, and you know. I like your phrasing. A lot of stuff yeah. happens. I don't think a lot of things happen. I don't think the there's end. something. You, a critique of Banshee can never be nothing happens in an episode. That's like true. so, it's so slow. <laughs> yeah, if you ever watch one episode of Banshee, you would never go like every tv show has a episode where something doesn't happen it's really like Mad I mean, this season you really have to watch their facial expressions <laughs> but seriously this season is slower i mean the idea is was to make it a little slower because this is like you you have like you can't have high pace all the time you need to yeah you know take it easy because otherwise you know you get you 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 you're, you're getting the audience used to like high pace octane all the time this season is actually calm calm action action Shorter, I mean, the rhythm is, has shorter moments of action and then to normal, shorter moments. Of it's like punctuation of action instead of long, you know, uh, sequence. Which action. makes those big moments more but, satisfying. More, they happen faster. 
They're over faster, which means they feel feel more violent, feel more, you know, a little more jarring. Uh, majoring, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk. A, you you got to get out of here soon, but we would be remiss to not discuss the albino fight scene, oh. especially upon finding out that you directed right. that episode. Mm-hmm. That is. We think that's the moment that... Which if, one of the fight scenes? The one in the prison? The one in the prison. If you say out loud, if you say... If oh, people overhear you talking and you're like, yeah, the giant albino he kills in prison. Like, when you say something like that, that's just, people go, <laughs> wait, what show are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, what is about? this show? That's yeah. actually true. That's just, yeah, 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 that's how we get people... When we're talking about the show, other friends of ours are always like, I'm sorry, you say giant albino? It's like, wait till you even see... We don't even want to tell you, but wait till you see how he dies. <laughs> so what, what was that... What was that like? Uh, that actor who plays the albino's name is escaping. Joe Gatt. Oh, Joe Gatt. Right. He's fantastic. Yeah, he is. He's so he's terrifying. A, he's unnerving. Mm-hmm. Casually unnerving. What was that like shooting this, that episode? I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm telling you, man. This is uh, one of the most complicated shot shoots I've ever been to. That was that fight. Because first, we couldn't find a prison in North Carolina. So we have to go to South Carolina. And there was like this heating wave, heat wave. So it was 112 degrees, Oof. something like oh. that. So first of all, the, the fight was actually planned to be outside. So we couldn't do that. It was too warm. It was like 140 by the, by the concrete. So And everybody was moving slow and like they were in a trance, like zombies. With a crew, 300 zombies moving around in a closed, very high-security prison in uh, South Carolina. It was pretty scary, actually. <laughs> they, did, they do executions there as well. But Jesus. we had a block where we could. So I moved it inside, took the decision to take it inside because it was a slightly cooler inside. There was no, no air condition. But we had, so we started shooting the scene and it just went over. And it just went over. And it was just because it, was, it wasn't that well rehearsed. A lot of the things that happened just, you know... Is just, that because it was early on or because it was shot in a different place than you intended to? It's because the, the show hadn't find, right. found its, its, its How to space, do all that stuff. How to do that. You yeah. know, there... And so, so a lot of the things, is, is, you know, happens on set while we're doing it. I mean, I mean the how to cut up... How do you cut off a, a guy's penis? <laughs> I mean, how do don't, you don't look at me. I, do I, that? I can't help. <laughs> I mean, there's, not a, you, there's not a guy on set. I, on She's like, I'm the how, dick cut off guy. Oh, my God. When that happened, the whole crew no, you're going was like, from oh, the left. you can't do that. That was one of the moments I said, what am I, what the, what am I doing here? <laughs> what is going on? I just cut off a man's penis. That's can't, that, can't, that can't happen, you know, because I never saw that before. That was like, so it's, it's so if, if seriously, it was like it, the whole crew went silent. <laughs> It's a when after parent, it happened after it cut off his dick, yeah, and we did the 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 uh, blood. blood and all that, yeah, and it just felt, it was really weird. They were so affected by it. So anyway, so the, it's, it was so like, was the audience watching. So we changed <laughs> the way that he kills uh, Joe Gad in the end. We changed that five times while shooting it. Maybe this is better. Maybe this is better. But it's got just the most important thing was to give Lucas the 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 you know. Resolve, I mean, he's got to be like a, he got to win. He got to be a free man after he kills that guy. Right. He's got to be move, you know, be able to move in and be like the king of that prison. Figuratively and a free it, man. So, He'd still be in prison, but at least exactly. he would not be tortured exactly. daily by the albino. Yeah. So, so I think the, 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 doing it with the weight and stuff was... So uh, he cuts his was, dick off, gouges his eyes out, and then crushes his head with a weight. With an easy bar, right? It's like the curling bar, yes. right? He like <laughs> smashes it off. Yeah. Dude, that is like... <laughs> it's so... I, people were telling you, if you have not watched the show, when you're listening to this podcast, yeah, just exactly. look up that that's fucking I, episode. Watch that. Watch what I, OC put oh, on set. We couldn't decide how he should die, so we brutalized this dude. It was this thing, you know. We just had these weights. <laughs> I thought I, I we I, I think I wanted 
I wanted him to do. I was very inspired by the Marathon Man. You know that movie, right? Yeah, yeah. The way the way um, um, what's the Roy Scheider is breaking the back of one of the other spies. Oh, right, with the, the cord right yes, in the yes, opening. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so I wanted that kind of a fight scene and the end kill, and that worked okay, but it wasn't really satisfying. So we sort of tried to find out. We have these weight, and they were like, it fake. made total sense. And the, so you yeah. know, let's just do it. The guy's big, and then yeah. we just found out how how do we do that the most brutal way? How <laughs> it's really awesome. great to like the the weird kind of irony of like a giant muscle guy being killed, finally killed by a weight, like yeah. and uh, whether he's gay for power but, reasons or not, like. Uh, using taking away his penis and then killing him with weights is like oddly symbolic, despite just being awesome visually. <laughs> what actually happened that day? This is just very inside information. It's like after we shot that scene with him being being uh, killed, everybody was really sad, and uh, because it was really tough to shoot, and you know it was it affected people. And then we had to drive five hours back to North Carolina and shot everything in the cell of him in isolation. You know, oh. the montage there, you know. Yeah, the, yeah when he's so building his hand strength back wall. up. Yeah. Punching the wall. So, yeah, punching the wall, training up, becoming, you know, going back, to mm. getting himself together. And that sort of uh, that sort of took like five hours more. So it was like, a, I think it was like a, almost a 18, day. 24 hours. Yeah. Oh, people were like, Imagine, wake up. Wiped out. out hey, know? Anthony, wake up. We're back from the five-hour drive. Yeah. You need to go shoot your six-hour solo scene. You know <laughs> the other I'm, actors are like cracking their knuckles like, thank God, I'm done for the you know day. What, you know what Fridays are? Fridays are uh, work days that move from Friday to Saturday. So you move like, you start out f- Friday at noon, for instance, and you end shooting in, you know, Saturday at at, at noon or maybe even later. So oh, you because had like, your call time gets pushed back every like day. Push, so we call it Fridays. And this, <laughs> this was a Friday that ended like, I don't know. <laughs> way Did that happen a lot? Happens almost every week. Yeah. At least it's, one day every week. Yeah. That's like standard in television Friday. a lot is because you can't, because of the 12 hour rule. It's you keep pushing rule. your call time back till the Friday you're starting. Yeah, you want to do night. So you need, sometimes you need to go into night and then it just keeps getting worse and worse. So you, so in the end, you know, you have this weekend where you have jet lag because you like suddenly, and then you go Monday morning at six, people come in and they're totally, you know, <laughs> no idea what time lag. it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least you're in freezing cold Pittsburgh is. to make you feel <laughs> yeah. at home. At least we always have Pittsburgh. No, Pittsburgh is actually, I mean, there was a, when it got, got warmer in April or so, it was a very nice city. It was a great city. It's got a lot of good restaurants, surprisingly really beautiful rest- visual stuff too. It's, it's, it looks beautiful. I yeah. mean, it has a really nice skyline. They fixed up the, uh, the center of the city very, very well. They have great restaurants. You know, people are actually very friendly. It was a really nice place to shoot, actually. And people were really doing their best to make us feel, you know, welcomed and, you know, at home. It looks it great. Really nice. Yeah, I love it. I love the texture of the city. Yeah. This old steel belt is really, you know, has some amazing locations, you know. The new sheriff station is awesome. You like that, huh? Yeah, I yeah. love that. I mean, it's really cool. Yeah. You know, our, it's like a, our a art department did an amazing work on that one. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, That's great. Oh, see, we're coming to the end of your time here. We want to say thanks again for coming on to yeah, the thank talk. Thank you so much. It's so fun being here. Uh, as always, we're plugging Friday nights at 10 o'clock on Cinemax. Please watch the show, Banshee. Yeah, like or, or at least stop listening to this podcast if you're let's, not going to watch the show. <laughs> let's see where this cult goes. <laughs> I know. I love that we have a cult now. It's so exciting. <laughs> oh, see, anything else you want to plug? Anything you're working on? Or if uh, people should check out your movies? If, uh, yeah, check Check out some of my movies, and you know you can see them on Netflix. Oh yeah, check the movies out. Yeah, I mean I, I I'm, I'm working on a lot of stuff now. I'm doing partly television, a new series, and uh, and I'm working on a couple of feature films, both here, both here and in Europe. So I'm trying to keep you know 
two tracks going and at the same time keep my world together, which is kind of a schizophrenic experience. <laughs> Having a life here and there, uh, it doesn't become it doesn't become easier with in time. It's it's just like so it's. But I'm trying to do that. So it's I uh, hopefully next year we can do a podcast on. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it on whatever it is. Let's do it now. Let's talk about it now. Let's guess what it might be. All right, so it's an albino getting revenge. (laughs) A dickless albino. Castrated albino. The son of the albino. <laughs> the son of albino. That's Revenge. a great West uh, yeah. forced sequel. <laughs> son of albino. Uh, as always, my fan man, uh, Sean Conroy, at Sean Conroy on Twitter. Correct. Uh, Longshot Podcast. Great. And Mr. Pickles. Which Mr. Pickles should be starting right pretty soon. the time this yeah. comes out, or maybe even before this. What's the premiere date? It starts on the 17th of April. 17th of April. This should be and coming out. And if you like satanic stuff, Mr. Pickles <laughs> is all about Satan. <laughs> yeah, misleading title in the way that it is about He's a... just co- a dog who worships Satan and is a serial killer. <laughs> right. Check it out. Uh, it might be an OC's wheelhouse. Uh, <laughs> uh, at Ben underscore Rogers, Rogers with a D. Nice, Very complicated to explain. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not, it's not that hard. You, you the underscore, it. you have to hit shift. That's the hard part. Okay, you're the only person who has a problem with the underscore. I'm the only person who no, tweets I, it. I, actually, I, I can't figure it out either. No, I can't figure it out. <laughs> right. Ben, oh, I don't know how to do ben that. Ben Rogers is losing his mind because he keeps getting tweeted at by Gabrus. Uh, ben, anything you, uh, you want to promote? Uh no, I mean uh, you know, other than ben, normal Ben Rogers, he uh <laughs> he's a Christian missionary. He doesn't have an underscore. <laughs> and he's doing great on Twitter. A lot of people go into that. <laughs> Yeah, check out any Ben Rogers you can find on social media. Or if you live in the L.A. area, check out Shitty Jobs Sunday nights at 930 at UCB Franklin. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you live in the uh, L.A. area, watch Banshee. If you live in any area, watch Watch Banshee. Banshee. All right. Thank you, O.C. Later, shitheads. That was a HeadGum Podcast.